friends, welcome back to another episode of Trauma Unpacked. This is your host, Viv, and I'm so glad that you came back for another episode. Um, Just to kind of get us started off, I wanted to put a little disclaimer out there and just make sure we're all on the same page. Um, In no way am I claiming to know everything about these topics. Um, This is all based off of research that I have found um, and any type of like firsthand accounts will be like from my opinion and my um, experience um, personally so if I'm ever making a blanket statement um, please know I'm not trying to speak for everyone who deals with these things I'm speaking for myself um, or I'm speaking directly from um, a source that I have located so just a little disclaimer but yeah today's episode is going to be um kind of defining uh coping mechanisms and just kind of identifying what we're even truly talking about um and then from there we'll build also before we kind of dive deep into all the different aspects of adolescence i do want to put a i guess disclaimer definition better understanding of the age range for adolescence this is something i actually didn't really learn until pretty recently when i took um adolescent development um as a class in college and so um the official age range for adolescence is 10 to 24 so most of the research that i'm going to be kind of talking about and highlighting will be um uh kind of pointed to those age groups i guess um and if and if it's differing from that i will most likely um point that out to you but that is kind of the direction that we're going to be going with it so just thought you should know i know i didn't know maybe some of you already knew that um i definitely attributed that word to a much to the younger sector of people but um yeah adolescence goes up to 24 so shout out to all my other adolescents so first off let's start with defining what a coping mechanism is um as i'm sure you know there's many different ways to explain um a coping mechanism and maybe different ways of defining it but um the definition that i found that felt most true um, through the research that I searched through, um, is that a coping mechanism is a strategy that people often use in the face of stress and or trauma to help manage painful and difficult emotions. Um, so basically, a coping mechanism is a form of coping. It's a way that, um, the way that we choose to deal with whatever is going on, something that is traumatic or stressful or anxiety inducing, um, that is the way we process and the way we um, react, I guess, maybe to um, an event. So um, defense mechanisms and coping mechanisms can sometimes be compared and honestly have a lot of similarities. And there can be a little bit of gray area with uh, distinguishing the two. But I was reading one article that was kind of defining the differences between the two. Um, And just by the way, all of the um, things that I'm referring to will be located in the um, official Trauma Impact podcast cited sources page um, that you can find in the bio of the Instagram page. Um, 
So just let me know if you're wanting to kind of go and look at this stuff yourself. Um, it's all there. But one of the um, studies I was reading was saying that defense mechanisms are um, things that occur mostly at an unconscious level and usually pretty unaware of them. Um, whereas coping mechanisms are typically somewhat conscious and maybe even purposeful. Um, and then their definition of coping mechanisms was, uh, that they're usually used, um, to manage external situations, um, like creating problems for an individual. So, um, defense mechanisms can change a person's internal psychological state, whereas, um, Uh, coping mechanisms are more focused on the external state so how you react what you do um the action after the event I guess if that makes sense um so there are lots of different types of coping mechanisms but one um one thing that I was reading was kind of highlighting some mechanisms that may be more helpful and then some that may be more harmful or maladaptive. Uh, so some of the coping mechanisms that they highlighted as um, more positive and more that have proven to be more helpful was support, relaxation, um, problem solving, humor even, and physical activity. Um, and so, which are all very practical, I feel like. Uh, if you are seeking support, um, one big aspect of coping strategies to me is to invite other people into the situation when you isolate yourself everything feels a hundred times worse and it's so much harder to get out of that place when you're trying to do it alone um relaxation sometimes we need to bring our anxiety in the moment down enough to even process what's um, really going on or what we're really feeling and I know that some of these things have been really helpful for me. Things like meditation, yoga, uh, prayer, literally like going on a walk, um, benevolent detachment, which is just like making a conscious effort to separate yourself from all the things that are distracting you and kind of center yourself again. Um, and just remember like God's creation, go on a hike, go look out the window, go see the sunrise. Um, something that's going to feed your soul and your spirit um problem solving so instead of trying to find things to replace and um distract from the problem um actually just tackling it head on and thinking through how you can react maybe in the next situation in order to reduce the probability of um, this type of reaction happening again or making sort of like a game plan um, or an action plan for possible solutions to alleviate some of this um, heightened uh, overwhelm. Um, Humor is a big aspect, like making light, not making light of it in a way of like maybe like dissociating from it, but just like not taking life too seriously, which is something that I honestly do a lot. I am living on my own I'm at school I'm far from family and stuff and so I find that even when I just enter the city of Cleveland where like I reside right now and what I'm doing um I feel like this this large sense of 
ownership and like I have to have it together um and it's very apparent and so I find myself being just like a lot more serious of a person in general <laughs> when I'm here than when I'm around my family when I'm when, when I'm with my close friends when I'm not here um which is very interesting and not necessarily a bad thing but just something to think about um something I'm aware of for myself because I know that I do tend to take life really seriously when um I'm in school and when I'm kind of in my element working and in school and all the things um and so just reminding myself to make time for play and make time for just like make space to not take life so seriously and just be a person and be young and have fun and all the things um another really good example would be physical activity so like exercise um play a sport go for a swim go on a jog um I'm not the most active person but there's definitely plenty of activities that would fit into any sort of category of person you are whether you're like crazy athletic or not athletic at all but um science proves it left and right like physical activity is good for you and it helps to release pent-up energy and it helps you to process and it's just proven to be good and so even if you're exercising um you might not be exercising to lose weight or to like even for that reason but exercise because it will help you clear your mind or because it's um, something to stimulate your brain while you process and get your energy out. Um, super, super important. And then some of the maladaptive mechanisms that were highlighted in this specific article um, were things like escape. So kind of withdrawing and um, just choosing to have isolation and removing yourself from a situation. Um, unhealthy self-soothing. So just like doing things um, that aren't really going to help you in the long run, like an overbearing amount, because self-soothing is not a bad um, mechanism to have, but it can very quickly become a crutch um, and things like overeating, um, binge drinking, it, excessive internet usage, video games. None of those are inherently bad, but if we aren't careful um, with our usage of those things and how we're utilizing them and why, um, it can very quickly turn into a self unhealthy self-soothing mechanism. Um, another thing is numbing, which kind of like, kind of goes hand in hand with that, but usually numbing is very unaware. Um, and you're usually very unaware of that you're what you're doing in the moment, but it's seeking out activities that um will numb your current stressor and um a lot of people in those situations will turn to drugs um excessive drinking excessive eating um just things that are deterring your um attention and it's not bad to deter to attention but it can quickly um turn into an addiction into something that is actually going to make the issue worse and add on more issues. Uh, so it's something to definitely be aware of. Um, another thing is compulsions and risk-taking. So seeking out um, things that will give you an adrenaline rush, which honestly isn't terrible either. But um, this specific article is talking about when you're seeking out an adrenaline rush, but you're not thinking about safety, you're not thinking about... Um, what kind of situation it is you just want to do something that's just going to make you like 
whoa, I just did something crazy. Like, um, you're not thinking about your safety or other safety, but just how can I feel alive in this moment? Um, and then there's obviously many more. Another one is self-harm. A lot of people turn to self-harm when they're trying to cope with extreme stress or um, trauma situations. And um, that's something that's very prevalent with a lot of young people and just people in general um, of all ages. But um, yeah, these are just some of the maladaptive mechanisms that were highlighted in that article, um, which will be cited and available for you to kind of look at if you want to. There's more um, explanation there too. Um, But yeah. So I know I mentioned that this was going to be kind of highlighting coping mechanisms in adolescence and answering that question of if they are helpful or harmful um, to us now, um, if we are still using those same mechanisms and just looking into and highlighting um, how they play a part in our maybe adult lives or as we grow up. Um, and they begin to shape how we respond to situations. So I want to kind of highlight a few different studies that I was looking at this past week. And um, one study that I found concluded that um, adolescent girls and boys have very differing coping mechanisms and defense mechanisms. So for boys, It was um, because they felt the need to take responsibility of a situation and seek social support. Whereas for girls, um, avoiding confrontation and maintaining self-control played a larger part um, in why they chose coping mechanism XYZ. Um, And I also found that um, kids who lack good coping strategies may turn to avoidant coping, which... um, is not going to be helpful in the long run or just in general. And it's not really tackling the issue at hand. Um, But another study that was done by the American Journal of Public Health, um, some of their findings were uh, that a large association, there was a large association between um, social emotional skills in kindergarten and the well-being and their well-being in adulthood. So Children who were able to regulate their emotions at uh, the age of five years old were more likely to go to college and have steady jobs as adults. Um, Whereas, um, and also they they were less likely to use substances and be engaged in criminal activity um, and have mental health issues, which I thought was interesting and, um, definitely something to think about I think uh obviously the majority of the audience that's probably listening to this doesn't have kids or isn't having kids necessarily right now um but it's kind of cool to think about um compare contrast how maybe we were raised and where we um where we did well in that area and where we didn't or um compare it to how we might want to do that later if we decide to have kids or um whatever that is um so yeah just some things to ponder on um to kind of highlight adolescence um next episode we're going to take kind of an even deeper look into some different aspects of adolescence and coping mechanisms um and we'll dive deeper into the two kinds of coping strategies 
um, and what it looks like uh, for kids and why current coping mechanisms um, may mirror some of the mechanisms that we had as children and how we can learn um, if they're still helpful for us or if they how they might be more harmful to us. Um, so please come back and listen soon. Um, that one should be out sometime in the near future. Um, I'm not sure what order I'll release these, but, um, regardless, all good things. I'm really excited to share this stuff with you guys. I hope that you're, you've learned something. Um, but to kind of wrap up this episode, um, I have a quote of the day and it reads, Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the ability to cope with it. And um, that's by Ronald Reagan. So I'll leave you with that. Um, Hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And thank you for listening. Bye.